My name is The Sportzilla Show on ESPN Radio 97.7 and 100.1. Because they came to whose house? Where'd you go to college? Syracuse? Syracuse? That's a basketball school. Rain man, good to go. Hey coach, how are you? I'm good, Rain, I'm good. Thanks for doing this today. No problem. I'll have an English muffin if you got one. What's that? No, go ahead. I'm ready. I'm ready. Aha, aha, aha. This is the Sportzilla Show. Here's Rain and Scooter. Rain and Scooter. Rain and Scooter. You know what really, really cool thing happened with the New York Knicks? Scoop. Um, well, they they beat Houston, but there was also a very not cool thing that seemed to have happened. That's what happened that was cool to the Knicks. They beat Houston. R.J. Barrett, 19 years old. He came out. He showed you the promise of, of maybe a franchise player at one point, a third pick in the NBA draft. Only thing is, I wish he would have whipped the ball at James Harden's head. Yeah, a lot I of, wish every team would do that. A lot of like Giannis did the other day. I love that video. Bounce straight back if you haven't seen that yet. See, that's what we should be talking about with the Knicks as Leon Rose gets hired as their their new executive to run the show, figuring out what they're going to do with Scott Perry. And then James Dolan happened. And it's just frustrating as a Knicks fan. Oh, by the way, Jim Beheim joins us at 3.30. Let me just interject that, and we'll talk some SU basketball with the game tonight. I want to interject that before we get going, but... You know something, Scoop? I'm, I'm a little fired up about this situation, and I feel a little bit of... It's ironic with some of my... I don't know if they're hot takes, but I've shared my opinion about a guy named Drake with Toronto. And yes, Spike Lee on the Knicks gets some visibility, but I don't know if it's the same situation. Oh, no, not at all. He's not running out giving shoulder massages to the coach or anything like that. And he's not showing up with a wrestling belt, you know, like, I mean, some of the stuff that Drake does, it's it's just so, look at me, look at me. And I don't think Spike does that at all. Well, here's the thing, though. Uh, even though Drake's a massive distraction, that's a good organization. With the Knicks, they're terrible. And you want to see the product on the court get better. And you want to believe there's a future. It's been two decades of ineptitude. But then you've just got this nightmare situation where, Nothing good ever happens to the Knicks. No good news ever happens to the Knicks. It's always bad. They have a chance with, hey, man, we got a nice victory against Houston, one of the better teams in the league. Hey, we've got Leon Rose, our new executive, putting out this nice, fluffy statement. You know, I mean, it's it's a pretty significant statement. I want to introduce myself, tell you how proud I am to oversee this historic franchise as the president of the Knicks. It's a pivotal time. I mean, he just... Goes on and on. It's all over social media. If you're a Knicks fan or a sports fan, I'm sure you've seen this. Just says all the right things. We're going to evaluate talent, and we're going to support Mike Miller, the coach, and on and on and on. Go ahead. I'm curious. When did he post this? When did he release this statement? I don't have the. Was it, was it recent? It's very recent. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I don't have the exact uh, time. So it wasn't stamp. like a week ago. But it, no, this okay. this is really a new thing. And then you're overshadowed by, and uh, Nick Ailes in studio with us, you're overshadowed by the worst owner in all of sports, in any sport. It, it's a terrible, terribly run organization. And, and it's, it's like this immature 13 year old boy who's a 50 something year old man. I mean, he's picking on Charles Oakley. I don't know other franchises that don't glorify their past. 
And he just doesn't do that or don't treat their courts. I mean, think about how much money you're spending for 30 years. If you're Spike Lee to sit courtside to support this team, to also have the visibility outside of New York City to support this terrible team still goes to all the games and you crap all over them. I mean, you know, metaphorically speaking, how do you support this? It's just it's a shame. It's a damn shame. And it's frustrating to watch, even if you're not a Knicks fan. It's painful to watch this happen. It's terrible for the game. It just is. I like Spike's point of, like, why couldn't they have called me? Or why didn't he get some sort of notification that he was supposed to go in another entrance? He's been going through that entrance, he, he claims, for 28 years. And now suddenly, and he did it last week, apparently, or just the other night. and, And now suddenly he can't do that. He can't go through that entrance I can understand why he'd be a little put off. I'm, I'm, he's upset. I mean, I'm, I'm understating it when I say put off. It, he gets onto the elevator. They tell him to get off the elevator. You know, there's just stuff about this whole interaction that just does not sit right with me. And it's, it's not Spike's part of it. It's the organization's part of it, the Knicks part of it. That doesn't sit well with me. It's exactly right. 100%. I, I, I am on Spike Lee's side on this. So I had alluded to Nick Ailes being in studio with us. You can see us all. Q Sports Talk, Twitch.tv's where to do that. ESPN Radio 97.7 and 100.1. It's the Sportzilla Show. But I know that you're probably going to go, is James Dolan still the owner of the Knicks? But expand beyond that. I mean, I want to hear a little bit more because this is ridiculous. Yeah, well, my big thing is that it just feels like it was designed to happen. On You finally get a good win against a solid Houston team. I remember I got the, the notification on my phone. I said, wait, the Knicks got to win against the Rockets? Yeah. I went, I checked out the highlights that RJ shot to win the game. Or to to keep going ahead, like that was it was a good shot. It was made me feel good. Like something I haven't felt as a Knicks fan in a long time. And then Amen. what a few hours later, like it's something like, Oh, you got some good news? We gotta pull that back. No, no, you can't have that. Like it just feels it feels so expertly crafted as sabotage. It's exactly what I feel too. It's it's like I had said to Scoop before we get on the air, I'm like, you you can't have twenty four hours of positive news with the Knicks. You've got the nice, fluffy Leon Rose statement. You've got R.J. Barrett leading the team to a win against a good team. Can I enjoy this as a fan? Because there, it is few and far between those those positive moments for this team. And it's not like it's just this year. It's just year after year. It's decade after decade at this point. If Spike Lee says, I'm not going back this year. Are you going back to a Knicks game this year? Not this year. Are, really? you cons- are you concerned? No, no, I'm coming back next year, but I'm, I'm done for the season. I'm done. He's done. Wow. I mean, they treated him like he was a criminal. Yeah. They, they yelled at him. I mean, yeah, okay, so he yelled back. But he's been doing this for 28 years the same way, going through the same door. He is a celebrity. Why can't he go through the media door to avoid a little bit of uh, attention He's been doing it already anyways. It's not like he's bending the rules. You changed the rules and didn't tell him. And I loved his point that he made on first take today. If I'm late with my deposit by one day, they're on the phone to me saying, where's your deposit? Well, why don't you tell your season ticket holders about these changes in the rules or how things are going to be running differently 
in terms of what entrances are supposed to go in. Well, it's funny because there are others calling him out because he said, you know, I've never asked them for nothing as a celebrity. But yeah, and they're like, well, you're using an employee entrance. But he's still Spike Lee. He, he's still a celebrity. And if that's the one amenity he gets for spending the money on those tickets, it's an, I don't I don't see him on social media bragging. Do you think, I get a special I get a special entrance when I go to the Knicks games. He's you not publicizing. You seriously think all those celebrities at Lakers game go through the turnstiles with no, everybody else? No, they do not. Golick and or excuse me, the Golicks and Wingo this morning talking about what Knicks fans need to realize with this team. I think that we have a lot of people have this romanticized idea of what the Knicks as a franchise are because if you're ever gonna if you're ever gonna realize that we got to turn the corner you got to be honest with yourself right they haven't been that thing for a long long yeah, long seventy three yeah. yeah I mean Phil Jackson was playing Phil Jackson was playing the guy calling the games Clyde Frazier was playing. That's how long it's been since the Knicks have been whatever so many New so, York fans think they are. It's been almost a half of a century at this point. Nick They're, Ailes was a zygote. Yeah, it wasn't considered at this point. Right. It's no, we love you, buddy, but no, like constant in their constantly being bad. And that's what it is. So players see that and say, there are plenty of other teams in the league that we can all group together with and go win. Yeah. I know it's New York. I know it's Madison Square Garden. I, I get all that. But you know who, who who may get it, but it doesn't matter, is the number of free agents that have turned down the Knicks over and over and over and over and over and over again. Yeah. Th- so what's going to change? I didn't mean to cut you off with a continuation of the goal of the Golics and Wingo going off on the Knicks. But Nick, mm-hmm. fact is, you don't know this team in your life being good. How did you end up possibly being a Knicks fan based on this? I mean, I guess you don't know any better. No, it's just by Northeast loyalty. It's, it's like it's it. the New York team was the team I root for. And, and that and that's your general rule? Uh, yeah, for the most part. Unfortunately, I follow it. You're in, outside you're, of baseball. You're a young enough guy, though. Have you considered switching your loyalty? I'm you not just, a bandwagoner. I don't switch. Your loyalty. I'm the same way. They're terrible. I fly my Knicks flag, and I just, I wish, I just wish I could invest. Listen, I invest in players. You know what I mean? Giannis, I'll watch because he's great. Kobe, LeBron, and on and on and on. But I, I, it just pains me. It's like a. It's like I'm emotionally invested in this team. It's like your Browns. You talk about that all the time. It's painful sometimes to be loyal to your team. But it's it's not just that they suck. It's that their management is the worst. I mean, you, you want to stay a prisoner in the moment. You don't want to stay a prisoner in the moment, as you always allude to. But you sit there and you go, it is probably one of the worst franchises that has ever been run in the history of professional sports. I don't think that that's an exaggeration of a statement. It's just terrible. Hyperbole, hyperbole, hyperbole. I don't know what adjective ac- accurately describes this dumpster fire anymore, Scoop. Well, I hadn't seen the Leon Rose statement before you handed it to me, nor had I seen the statement from the New York Knicks that you handed me, which is just... Uh, the statement from the New York Knicks about Spike Lee, I, it's embarrassing to the franchise. It really is. It's a personal attack on Spike. Uh, it, uh, it's just, I, I'm flabbergasted at the stupidity of it from a public relations standpoint. Yeah, I 
I mean, working in radio for a, a couple and a half decades, it's my job to find words to talk about things. And, and I find myself not having them sometimes when I get to this point with the Knicks, and it happens too often. See, I saw the video last night. I saw the Spike Lee video, I, I think, not long after it happened and, and saw the story about, okay, he's courtside. He shook hands with Dolan at, at halftime, and, and they made it sound like they had kissed and made up. Well, you hear Spike talk later. Spike says on first take today, I don't want to talk to you. Apparently, Dolan approached him. He says, I, I don't want to talk. Well, did you see the troll job statement from the Knicks? It was clearly the exact words of James Dolan, and nobody else in that organization was it has the ability to say, no, this is a bad idea to word this that way. You can handle this better. When was that released, the statement from the Knicks? A couple of hours ago. Unbelievable. So he saw Spike Lee on first take. Yes. And reacted immediately like a petulant child and an immature you know, that, child. That, and that is that is exactly the phrase that I thought of is petulant child. That's what this owner is. He's a spoiled brat that has never had anybody check his baser instincts. And he just acts like he can run wild and do whatever he wants to do. He said nobody ever check him or punish him or put him in his place and the emperor is wearing no clothes. I'm not even going to validate this garbage statement from the Knicks because it's just a load of crap. It's not worth reading. It's out on social media. I'm sure others have read it, Knicks fan or not, because it's crazy that the Knicks and this situation are dominating the talk of the NBA right now. Really, I mean, this is the number one story as far as the NBA let me just leave you with Stephen A. Smith, who sometimes does yell at people, but I just uh, he he made a statement on what's holding the Knicks back, and, and in general, he is also a diehard, passionate Knicks fan, and he makes a decent point. The problem is consistently the business, the structure, the fundamental infrastructure of Madison Square Garden has always gotten in the way of the Knicks somehow, some way. And let me tell you something right now. Those guys are phenomenal, those guys and ladies. The security there is phenomenal. All of those people are first class. The sad part in saying that and Spike Lee bringing that up is that you have people who are literally afraid to be seen talking to Spike Lee or other people or being affectionate towards them in any way because they're fearful of repercussions from James Dolan, meaning that they think they can get fired. I reported years ago where you had players in the New York Knicks locker room that were petrified of talking to me on their own phone because they thought their phones were tapped. It's just, it's terrible. It's a terrible situation. I, I don't, I hope that this situation with Spike Lee puts the magnifying glass on Dolan again to the point that the league has got to step in and do something. I don't know if they can force him to sell, but they've got to put a structure in place to run this organization better. It's terrible to watch in every single way, top to bottom, front to back. It's an embarrassment to the NBA. If you're the commissioner, you might have a little phone call with ownership of the Knicks. Yeah, and then I, you know, and, and say, look, you are this is a public relations nightmare, not just for your team, but for our league. You are making us look bad. We got to have a talk. 
And then look at what um, some guy named Kristaps Porzingis has been doing with Dallas recently. And if that trade doesn't just make you go, yuck. The Sportzilla Show, ESPN Radio 97.7 and 100.1. But come back, talk some football. It's the Sportzilla Show on ESPN Radio 97.7 and 100.1. Here's Rain and Scoop. The 2020 CNY RV and Camping Show happening Thursday through Sunday at the State Fairgrounds. Nine dealers, 600 models, a free golf cart giveaway, 12 bucks to get in, only 10 bucks on Sunday. And we'll give you tickets right now if you are the fifth caller on the Burdick Toyota contest line at 315-437-7644. Scoop, I've got to give a shout to the Q's Twitter army. There's a lot of them out there and feeling the same way that I am. Landry Jones is injured for the Dallas Renegades in the XFL. Hashtag start Dungey. Time to start Eric Dungy. Don't you think this is a perfect opportunity to give him a chance? Uh, obviously, he, he's been dealing with the passing of his father, uh, but he's back with Dallas, and it's time to go. It's time to go. I think he's motivated. I think he needs he needs a chance and an opportunity to prove himself, and I think that he will. I don't think he's going to disappoint anybody, and we're a little biased here in this part of the country. Of course, we want to see him get a star, so let's go. You support me on this? I support you, and I say, why not? And if he gets a start, then it's must-watch TV for me. It's must-watch TV for me, and I'm pretty sure there's a lot of people that might be listening, and even those that aren't right now that are fans that are going, I'm definitely watching Eric Dungy if he gets a start in the XFL. I think it's I think it's due. What do you think, Nick? I mean, yeah, I'll watch it. Just out of curiosity? Sure. I'm, I haven't watched a lick of XFL this year, though. Oh, really? Yeah. What, do you, what do you think? Well, you, that's funny that you brought that up because we've noticed uh, a few less over the past four weeks have been doing that, Scoop. We talked about that a little bit yesterday, just a little bit. Yeah, the ratings, I guess, have been dropping. Still better, though, than last year's league, which I can't even remember the name of, the AAF something or other. Uh, and, you know, the XFL back in the day. Uh, you know, and it's interesting. I'm glad you brought that up, by the way. Go it's ahead. interesting that the first week was really good because we weren't that far removed from the Super Bowl at that point. But people were still hungry for football. Week Curious. two was pretty good. Week two was still pretty good. It didn't hold on the numbers of week one, but it was still solid. Here, let me let me give you maybe why this is happening, why the ratings are dropping. We are. Getting closer to March Madness, yes, which is a huge deal for TV and fans of sports. And so your team is maybe trying to get into the tournament. Your team's maybe on the bubble. You want to see how some of the really good teams are doing. You want to watch Kansas. So you watch college hoops. And you choose that over the XFL. We also have NASCAR. We've got hockey. These hockey games on NBC on, on weekends. And there's golf. There's a lot of choices now that I don't know that we had that weren't as attractive the first week of the XFL. There's a Yankees Red Sox spring training game, by the way. It was six nothing at one point, but it was a score. Seven to one. Seven to one is the current score. Thank you for that. We'll talk baseball. Who's, who's leading? Uh, it was the Yankees, by the way. Okay. The Yankees were beating the Red Sox in spring training. Uh, but Matt Vaskersian, baseball name. You know him. Tell everybody what he does, Nick. He's uh, head play by play for ESPN and Sunday night baseball. Well, he actually told a funny story about how much, since you brought up the old school XFL, the the kind of compare and contrast the original XFL with the current state of it. They changed the actual footballs. Right. 
during the season because, uh, as you probably recall, the quarterbacks were complaining. Tommy Maddox, who had a great college career, said that he was like throwing a wet duck. (laughs) So at that point, they sent all the wet ducks back to Connecticut, and the uh, then commissioner of the league got in the shower, and his wife handed him each football, and he got some 150-grade sandpaper, scrubbed them all down, put them back in the box, and sent them back out to the league cities. It was as bootleg as it gets. I don't think that that's happening in the current state of the XFL. All I know is I'll stand with my original statement in our segment. Just can we get uh, Eric Dunsey into a football game, Dallas Renegades? That'll make me happy. That's all. I agree, and I think it's Oliver Luck, I believe, is the name of the guy running this league. He's got a long... No, isn't Oliver... Oh, no, I was thinking of Oliver Stone. Continue. It is Oliver Luck. Uh, Go ahead. I know he went to West Virginia University. Right. He was in the athletic department there. Uh, he's got a long football history. He's an executive. I think they've got some pieces in place, an example of which is him, that they're not going to take footballs into the shower and sandpaper them down. He's a, a quarterback. He's a former quarterback. You know, he's going to have a degree of empathy if somebody made a complaint like that, for crying out loud. Well, we're talking a little football here on the Sportzilla Show, ESPN Radio 97.7 and 100.1. You know, I understand that this is Bills, Giants, country, but there's some fandom of some other teams. Now, unfortunately, we do have to put up with the Dallas Cowboys and an occasional Jets fan, but they don't really matter. But Dan Orlovsky and Josina Anderson were talking about Dak. And it's it's about a $33 million contract that's out there and floated. Well, listen to what they had to say about negotiations between the Cowboys, Jerry Jones, and Dak's representatives. If they franchise tag him and he doesn't sign, Jerry Jones is, is completely loses control of his football team. Dak takes control of the team because this is annually a team that wants to be in the Super Bowl. And this is their starting quarterback. And every day that passes that your starting quarterback's not there, someone else is running your football team. And you get closer and there's and closer. there's a guy named Teddy Bridgewater. I mean, you know, look, there's quarterback options available in free agency. There's quarterback options available. If they franchise tag Dak Prescott mm-hmm. and he doesn't sign it and yep. they bring Teddy Bridgewater in, uh-huh. he will never play another snap for the Dallas Cowboys again. Todd France's agent will not allow that. That would be... So disrespectful to Oh, I'm not saying it's not disrespectful. I'm just saying that's clearly an option. I just don't see the leverage the same way that you guys are explaining it for Dak. Like, to me, it's like, really, you're not going to sign it. Where where else are you going to go? I think there's a number of teams that would be very interested in Dak's services. And you know what? We were talking about the Knicks being a dumpster fire in our first segment. You know, the Cowboys probably aren't. A dumpster fire, but they're awful close. There's there are some flames surrounding the dumpster. You know, the the guy who puts the trash in the dumpster is probably getting some first degree burns when he brings the trash out. Well, Jerry Jones is sitting there, you know, for years going, I want to be the worst owner in sports. That's what I want to do. And then James Dolan did the old hold my beer, hold my case of beer, hold my brewery. I mean, that's how bad Dolan is. But yes, to your point, Jerry Jones isn't really uh, what I would call a great leader or owner of a sports it, franchise at much, all. Too much of a meddler. Yes, 100%. You know what? You could say that about Steinbrenner, the original, George, the boss. At times, he most, was, you know, George back in the day does the same thing that Jerry does. Remember, George would talk to the media almost course. like he was the manager of the team, and yeah. that's what Jerry does. Yeah. The difference is, is that 
the Yankees are the the historically the best franchise in baseball. Dallas Cowboys cannot claim that. I know. Say that again out loud for Nick and myself for Big Yankee Shades. I'm sorry, the best franchise in historically baseball. the best franchise in baseball. They're okay, they're they're the Montreal Canadians of baseball. Yeah, that okay, that's that's a fair statement. That's a fair statement. <laughs> hey, hey, you can't argue with the See, success. That's over, my way, my little way of going through the back door and taking a little jab. Over the history of the National Hockey League, that would be a very accurate state. The most decorated or they've won the most Stanley Cups of any franchise. And it's not even close. Uh, but, you know, Brady Edelman being here with Jimmy Fallon, of course, it, it's it's kind of furthered the speculation with the creepy videos that have been put out or the quick comment from Edelman and now where is he going to go. So, of course, leading off of that happening this weekend, they're talking about Brady some more. Dan Orlowski, Titans possible. You know what guys don't do? FaceTime other guys, unless you have plans <laughs> to do something big. So the relationship with Mike Vrabel is a big deal. Second, this is an offense and a football team that is focused on the run. They're not going to ask Tom Brady to drop back 45 times like he used to have to do and win football games through the air. And then the third thing is this is good weapons. Rookie A.J. Brown, a 1,000-yard receiver. John o. Smith, a young tight end, 13 yards per catch. And then, remember, Adam Humphreys, who's the slot receiver for the, tight end, the Titans, is actually the slot receiver that the Patriots and Tom Brady tried to go get last offseason but lost out to him. So a lot of good things with Tennessee. This is the the best realistic fit for Tom Brady. Okay, but what about the biggest con? Would that be going to the AFC West with the Raiders or Dan Orlowski? This is the biggest glaring con for this team. you got to play Patrick Mahomes in the Chiefs, the defending Super Bowl champion, twice. Greeny, the Raiders are a really, really good fit, but that... That, that is a daunting task. So the fact that you have to play Mahomes twice, no matter how good those pieces are on offense, and you know you have to beat him to go win your division, something that Brady has done, obviously, in the AFC East, is the challenge. But this is a really good fit for Tom so Brady. So overall, if, if, if you're advising him, would you tell him this is a good spot despite that? Because I would not. To be honest with you, the last thing you said to me is the deal breaker. Tom Brady knows better than anybody, and we know it too, that winning your division is the first step towards the Super Bowl bid, and the AFC West is going to be a very tough division to win. Scoop, close this out quick before a break. Well, I don't really have much of a comment on that whole fiasco, but sort of related to that, since so many people are more excited about the celebrities that are brought to the game I'm wondering when Kylie and Kendall are going to show up, or maybe Taylor Swift. Because since more people apparently are more excited about who are sitting behind the scorer's table and behind Jim Beheim than the actual basketball game, geez, when, when can we get Kylie and Kendall there? I'm get gonna, the card, a whole Kardashian clan tickets. I got to stop you there. No, no, we got to draw the line somewhere. That cannot happen. That cannot happen. Can't have Taylor Swift there? But Taylor Swift's different. I could live with Taylor Swift. Kardashians, no. We've got, we've got a, maybe we can get Rob Kardashian in Black China and have a reunion back behind the scorer's table. I think we're just going to talk about Syracuse basketball next since we kind of were already. Jimmy Fallon was talking about his appearance in the Qs. A couple of things to preview tonight's game and then our weekly conversation with Jim Beheim. All next in the Sportzilla Show, ESPN Radio 97.7 and 100.1. It's the Sportzilla Show on ESPN Radio 97.7 and 100.1. Here's Rain and Scoop. It's our good buddy Brent Axe, who's on the block at 4 o'clock, shared with you his most recent Twitter follower, Jimmy Fallon's words, uh, shared that video. We talked about it on the Tonight Show. You may or may not have heard that Jimmy Fallon with Tom Brady and Julian Edelman were at Syracuse game against UNC. I don't know if anybody's heard about that. 
Did that happen? That happened. Really? Yep. Jimmy Fallon told the world, here it is. I had such a fun weekend. What'd you do? I went to see the Syracuse game in Syracuse uh, with my buddies uh, uh, Julian Edelman and Tom Brady. Oh. No big deal. Here's us sitting there watching the game. Three good-looking dudes. People couldn't tell who was who. You want to ever feel not famous? Go to a sporting event with Julian Edelman and Tom Brady. So people, people did not care I was there at all. They were stepping over to me. Tom Brady, what's that? I go, yeah, whatever. It was fun. We sat there right behind Coach Bayheim, and it was really fun. I've never even, I've been to like one other college game. It's intense. It's so much fun. So much energy, and the, the, all the people rooting for the, you know, the Syracuse fans. They didn't win, but it, it didn't matter to me. I was just happy to be there. Uh, and I was next to some reporter guy. And uh, every time you turn around, I type stuff in his Twitter. <laughs> you can't sit next yeah. to me and not expect that. Yeah. So I was typing, like, I love tacos. <laughs> like, like, <laughs> tweeting out, yeah, buddy's my bae, stuff like that. But uh, I went up, I conducted the, with the band, uh, with the school band. They were great and really nice and let me do that. And I got in a little trouble. Who cares? Yeah, he did get he did get booted uh, when he tried to jump in with the band. Here's a little bit more. Jimmy Fallon talking about his time in Syracuse watching the game. But during the timeouts, you know, they do these like challenges like, you know, that you can win a ticket to or you know, a free pizza or whatever like that. And so they had one a girl came out. She was <laughs> they had her lie on a mattress. And if you can make the shot from the mattress, you win a free mattress. And she did. It was pretty cool. So I wanted to do that. So they're like, do you want to do uh, like it's the 30 second contest is challenging. 30 seconds. You have to make a layup. You have to do a free throw. And then hit a three-pointer. Now, I don't know if you could... I'm not the most athletic person. But I gave it a shot. Three-pointer. hey <laughs> Whipped it right into the student section. Uh, anyways, I want to say thanks to everyone at Syracuse University for having me. Coach Beheim, uh, Tom Julian. Give me a quick comment, because uh, speaking of Coach Beheim, I've got our weekly conversation with him ready to go. Well, I could have done without the name dropping. Not that, you know... I'm I'm guilty of that maybe from time to time. Yeah. But I really liked what he said when he said it was just happy to be there. Absolutely. And and yeah, they didn't win the game, but I was just happy to be there. I think anybody who goes into that building, which is now undergoing this big change, has to realize how lucky they are to be there in that electric atmosphere. What a gift that is. And I like that he expressed that. I hope we beat Boston College tonight. Uh, We do get a chance every Tuesday, Scoop and myself, to talk to Jim Beheim. So here's our conversation with him, the Sports Illustrated Show, ESPN Radio 97.7 and 100.1. I don't even want to talk about necessarily what happened with North Carolina, and I don't think we even really want to talk about some of the special guests that were in there. (laughs) I don't mind talking about North Carolina played really good. They, they Obviously, they're a last-place team, but they're not. They had injuries. They're at full strength now. We played pretty well on offense, but we couldn't stop them. And I don't think a lot of teams can stop them now. I think they're really good. And uh, it's disappointing to lose at home with all those our fans great. Uh, our fans have been great this year, and we haven't been at home. We've played better on the road, and there's really no answer for that. I think maybe a young team trying a little too hard at home. But, uh, you know, it's uh, uh, we have improved, we have gotten better, but we just aren't able to get stops in key situations against the better teams in the league. Jim, is it, is it fair to say it's a different Carolina team these last handful of games? Because they've had a historically bad season for what you well, expect. Like I said, of- they've got a great team. Yeah. They just had injuries, and they had, you know, Cole Anthony's the best player, best point guard in the country. Sure, sure. And he's, when he's out, and then he was hurt, and then he's coming back. It took him a while 
you take him out of the game Saturday, we probably win by 15 points. Yeah, for sure. You know, he's he's that good. So it's a different team, and uh, they're they're playing as well as anybody. I wouldn't be surprised if they won the ACC tournament. It'd be hard. They got to win five games, but they've got enough personnel to do it. I would not be shocked if they didn't win it or come very close to winning the ACC tournament. So one of the uh, one of the things that's happened, of course, that we need to talk about is one of the greats getting his number retired before the reconstruction of the dome. John Wallace. First of all, Jim, the suit, the hat, everything that he had going on fashion wise with his mom and family there was top notch. Take it from there for us. Well, he's an orange guy. He was with us before he came here. And uh, when he came, he was an important recruit. We really needed a recruit at that time. And he got us to the final game of the national championship. Uh, tremendous player and a big, big, very loyal, strong Syracuse alum. He's very good and uh, very supportive of everything we do. A great player. And it was good to get his number up there. So your voracious reading habits got some attention uh, in the press this week. What book is going with you to this game uh, tonight? Well, I'm reading a new author of English guy writes about an English detective. It's kind of interesting. 1850 English detective. So I've been reading his books for a week or two. But uh, there's always a book in the waitings. Uh, you know, one of the Patterson books or uh, one of the uh, mostly mystery uh, espionage type books, those kind of things. Nice escape. Uh, Jim. David Silva is very good, favorite author of mine, Michael Connolly. But, yeah, it's good to read. You get on a plane. It's terrible riding planes and getting on a bus. Sometimes you're there for three or four hours on the long trips, and it's good to just read a book and not have to not think about how long you're sitting there. So, yeah, it's a, it's a good habit. I only read on the road. That's about the only time I read. So yeah, it's, it's a good habit it's to get away. It's funny, Jim, because any married guy out there is going to understand when Julie finally said to you the 1,500 paperbacks or so that you had in the house. It's yeah, time they to, all left. <laughs> time to clean this up and transfer it to the iPad. Yeah, they all left. And the iPad is much, much easier, obviously, much, much easier. And uh, order everything online and just, you know, read them online. But, yeah. Two more trips, and then we'll get the ACC tournament and see what happens. And that's that's what we're shooting for right now. And, of course, as we look forward to Boston College and Syracuse tonight, I guess to get us to the tip-off, we can enjoy Spike Lee versus James Dolan and the Knicks. But you know what? We're going to come back and let's talk MLB versus the Astros. I think that's fair. SportsZilla Show, ESPN Radio 97.7 and 100.1. It's the SportsZilla Show on ESPN Radio 97.7 and 100.1. Here's Rain and Scoop. The Burdick Ford and Burdick Toyota Basketball pregame show with Seth Goldberg and Danny Shays. Catch it prior to the game tonight. And there's not that many games left, but it's a show you should tune into because they size up all the action for you. Did you see Anthony Rizzo was mic'd up? They need to mic up more players. They're probably not going to mic up more players, but he had said something about banging on a garbage can for him. That's hilarious. Somebody just yelled, Nick, who was it? Who was hitting? You just showed me. Uh, George Springer. George Springer's hitting somebody else curveball. They throw a fastball, strike him out, and he almost reacted like he was expecting a curveball. They're getting trolled. The eight, the Astros are getting trolled by everybody. 
It's rather amusing. Trevor Bauer was glove. You know how when you warm up, you sign, you give the glove sign to the catcher. I'm going to throw you, a, you know, curveball or the give it, the sign. I'm going to throw you a fastball. He was doing that, telling pitchers what he was throwing yesterday. I don't know if you follow. If you are on Twitter, you must follow Trevor Bauer. He is a great personality well, and character for the game. Wasn't I'm, it? I'm, he was actually announcing to the Dodger batters what he was going to throw. Was he verbally doing it as well as with the glove? I don't know verbally, but the signs were very obvious, and he was still getting them out. It's yeah, and he he uh he had tweeted about that yesterday or last night that he's like, can anybody mention the simple fact? Wait, I've got it right here. Uh, where did I put? It? He says, can I get a little bit of a fire emoji for sitting ninety seven ninety eight while doing so? <laughs> that was he's questioning somebody who had tweeted about him signing glove signing his pitches during the game. I'll tell you right now, you heard it here first. Five to ten years after he retires, he'll be the face of the players' union. You're saying Trevor Bauer. Mm-hmm. Yeah, tell me why. Tell me why he's that charismatic, and I didn't. I didn't like him for a while because he's like he's really smart, but he's grown on me too. Kind of a jerk. At least a couple years ago, I thought. But ever since he's taken this battle against Manfred and the Astros, like people love him. I love him. Now he's funny. But do you think the players love him? Because you don't get elected unless I do. I think other players like him. Yeah, I think that, and, and he's going to. What he's doing right now is he is speaking. On behalf of the players, and not in an official management type of capacity that you're referring to down the road, but right now he is verbalizing exactly what a lot of players are thinking, and he just doesn't. Uh, he's Dilligaff, if you know what that acronym is. He's Dilligaff right now. Do and, I look like I give a? And that's why I think the players like him is because I'm not. I don't want to say they're afraid to say it, but like, like speak out what they really think. But he just does not care. And he'll say whatever he wants let me all give, the time. Let me give you the words of, in a very recent interview with Brian Cashman, his comments about the Astro scandal. So you've got somebody like Trevor Bauer saying what he thinks, and then you've got Cashman who's not going to say exactly what he thinks. Disappointed that, you know, the industry's had to go through this because of, you know, what was, you know, uh, transpiring down in Houston. You know, uh, but it's time to move forward. I think Rob Manfred, our commissioner, is, you know, doing the best he possibly can given the circumstances. And, uh, you know, it's hard to let go of the past. But, you know, our job now is to deal with the present and the future as we move forward. We have a window of opportunity with the team and the talent we have. And, you know, I can't, you know, afford and Aaron Boone can't afford any distractions about, you know, you know, looking back. It's about looking forward for us now. You know, despite being angry and the uh, and and what it transpired and all the teams that it potentially robbed uh, themselves of of glory, so to speak, you know, I can't turn that clock back now. So we just have to move forward and and try to take care of business now. And you know as well as I do, Nick and Scoop will go to both of you really quick as we're up against our final break. But the fact of the matter is, the players in the clubhouse don't feel that way. They don't. And I understand what Brian Cashman is doing, and he has to do that. He has to say that. He's got to be diplomatic. He's got to move forward. Yes, you've got to look to the future. Blah, blah, blah. Vanilla, generic, Derek Jeter saying a whole lot of nothing while saying, saying a whole lot of something while saying a whole lot of nothing of actual substance. But come on, Nick. Yeah, the players are furious. And they have every right to be. And um, I took the over on the bet of 73 or 83, right? 83 and a half. I take the over as well. Scoop said the same thing. Go ahead. Uh, I just have a final thought on the day, not baseball related. But okay. I just want to say to everybody listening that if if you're having a bad day, I want you to consider that 
Leon Rose is probably having a much worse day today. Could you imagine you know, just really officially starting my new job and you walk into and the continued dumpster fire? It's the eternal flame of dumpster fires. In the middle of that nonsense. Yeah, sure thing. Thanks, Scoop. Thanks to Nick. I'm Rain. Back tomorrow at 3 Sports Illustrated Show out for the day. You're on the block with Brent Axe Brent Axe next, excuse me, ESPN Radio 97.7 and 100.1.